Chapter Seven of The Whispering Man by Henry Kitchell Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven: The Balance of Probability. Jack, dear, do try to cheer up and eat something. The world isn't coming to an end, and no innocent person is going to suffer for your father's murder. Cliff here will attend to that. You and I are innocent, and I believe Dr. Armstrong is. I believe it just as much as I did this morning, though, of course, it was plain what Mr. Cromwell was getting at. There are going to be hard times for all of us until it is cleared up, but it will be cleared up in the end. Come, eat that sweet bread. It's delicious, and try to smile a little. We were lunching not indeed where i could have wished to take them but in the least impossible place that was near at hand the coroner had adjourned the inquest for only an hour which put going up town out of the question madeline had endured the strain and the discomfort of the morning with a calmness which was hard for me to understand and with a courage that i found it difficult to admire sufficiently she needed an extra supply to compensate for her stepson's weakness he had yielded only after a good deal of resistance to my suggestion that we go out to lunch and had made almost no pretense at eating anything the more i watched this young man the less i could understand him he had never impressed me as one likely to turn weak in a crisis and yet he seemed to be deplorably so madeline had said there would be hard times for all of them and that was a mild way of putting it if the evidence were to go on developing in the direction it had taken against dr armstrong but it would be infinitely harder for madeline than for jack her name was sure to be coupled with that of the suspected doctor in a way that at the best would be disagreeable and at the worst would be unthinkably distressing if his guilt were proved her own innocence could hardly remain unquestioned it was clear enough in this circumstance that jack should have risen to the situation should have encouraged her rather than leaned upon her for support himself just as we were about to leave the restaurant a little incident happened which i must mention here although it seemed insignificant enough at the time the brief hour which the coroner had allowed us for recess had almost passed and we were in the act of rising from our table when behind me i heard a chair move back and the next moment somewhat to my surprise my friend geoffrey walked round our table and went straight up to madeline what he said to her amounted to nothing except for what was omitted he said nothing whatever by way of condolence over dr marshall's death but spoke merely of the course of events of the inquest which it appeared he had attended and attempted to cheer her with the thought that it would soon be over it suddenly occurred to me while he talked that he must have seen her since her husband's death it was only last evening at dinner-time that we had got the news of it he would hardly have called at the house let alone been admitted to see her last evening while jack and i were down at the grosvenor unless there were between them a much greater degree of intimacy than he had allowed me to suppose then too it seemed that while she stood talking to him there her colour was a little higher her eyes brighter 
that there was less of the calm cold restraint in her manner than there had been before we left him to go back to his unfinished lunch and drove back rather silently to the criminal court's building i was feeling rather annoyed but with myself rather than with madeline for attaching what i assured myself was an altogether exaggerated importance to the little incident of our meeting with jeffrey what jack was thinking about i could not guess he had paid very little attention to jeffrey had hardly spoken to him at all unless i was mistaken he seemed entirely engrossed with a train of thought that was all his own i knew he would be called as a witness and rather dreaded his appearance on the stand it was nearly half an hour after the time set by the coroner for the continuation of the inquest before that functionary accompanied by the district attorney and a third man whom i did not recognize emerged from the private office the district attorney and the stranger seated themselves within the railed-in space and continued a low-voiced conversation the coroner as soon as the room had been brought to order summoned the first witness for the afternoon john roscoe marshall he had a junior after that name until yesterday he answered the formal routine questions with which his testimony was inaugurated in a rather listless manner which told me that the mysterious something whatever it was that had occupied his mind during the lunch hour was still dominant in his thoughts it was not long before the coroner roused his full attention you saw your father mr marshall yesterday morning before he went downtown to his office yes sir did you see him for more than a moment yes sir we breakfasted together we had some conversation the coroner leaned forward as he asked the next question did you happen to observe whether or not at that time there was any sort of wound or scratch upon your father's throat or anything that might have been such a wound or scratch but was covered by a piece of adhesive surgical plaster no sir said the witness in some surprise there is nothing of the sort there you mean i suppose continued the coroner that you happened to notice nothing of the sort there no sir i meant there was nothing my father had a habit in conversation especially when he was a trifle excited of putting back his head and thrusting out his chin in such a way as to get the edge of his beard clear from his collar i noticed particularly his doing that yesterday morning and i am sure there was nothing of the sort you speak of above the line of the collar that's all mr marshall said the coroner jack looked at him in astonishment you mean you are through with me he asked for the present i may wish to recall you to the stand later you may step down now madeline was called to the stand immediately afterwards and to my increasing surprise she was asked exactly the same questions we had just heard her stepson answer her answers were the same as his or practically so and then she too was excused though with the provision that she might be recalled 
the question had already begun to take on a sort of uncanny force just from its apparent triviality and the number of times it was insisted upon this effect was increased still further when gwendolen carr was recalled to the stand only to have the same question for a third time asked of her before twenty minutes to twelve miss carr when you left dr marshall's office was there such a wound or any such bit of surgical plaster as you may have just heard me describe on dr marshall's throat no sir you are quite sure quite sure almost before she got the words uttered a sudden look of alarm almost of terror in her eyes attracted my attention she seemed to be looking straight at jack who after leaving the stand had taken a seat beside me i followed her gaze quickly enough to see him sway where he sat but not in time to save him from falling out of his chair in a dead faint he recovered quickly in the cool fresh air of the corridor whither we carried him and the coroner sent out word that he might go home as it would probably not be necessary to call on him for any further testimony i found myself a little puzzled to account for the expression of alarm i had seen for a moment in gwendolen carr's face it seemed sharper and more poignant than the mere sight of a fainting man would suffice to explain but the testimony of the next witness effectually diverted my mind from any such fine-spun speculations as that he was the stranger who had come out of the coroner's office accompanied by that official and the district attorney he now proved to be the coroner's physician who had conducted the autopsy on the body of the murdered man state what in your opinion was the cause of the death this was a question i heard the coroner asking when i re-entered the room the cause of death was instantaneous collapse accompanying paralysis of the heart and of the organs of respiration this was due to the presence in a quantity sufficient to produce a toxic effect of some unidentified vegetable alkaloid in other words said the coroner in your opinion the deceased met his death by poison yes sir beyond a doubt what was that poison that is a question replied the doctor slowly which at present i am unable to answer the process of chemical analysis is one of elimination there are a great many poisons which we are quite sure this is not but we have not been able yet to determine absolutely what it is you are quite sure then that it is not one of the commoner poisons yes sir it is a poison which i never encountered before in my experience by its action it must be of a singularly deadly nature in this case i am sure that death ensued practically instantaneously after its administration have you been able to determine asked the coroner in what manner it was administered 
yes sir the stomach showed no trace of it whatever it was injected hypodermically probably by means of a hypodermic syringe i found a puncture in the throat extending through the sternomastoid muscle into the left internal jugular which undoubtedly was the channel by which the poison was injected into the body the very small wound in the skin was sealed up by means of a small piece of adhesive surgical plaster in your opinion inquired the coroner is it possible that this poison was administered by the hand of the deceased himself no sir for three reasons first the direction of the stroke itself makes it almost impossible that it could have been delivered by the hand of the deceased second death must have ensued as a result of the poison before it would have been possible to seal up the external wound in the manner i have described third the syringe which contained the poison was not found upon or near the doctor's person so there is no doubt whatever in your mind that the poison was administered to dr marshall by another hand than his own no doubt whatever sir there was a little period of silence after that a good many of the spectators and i must include myself among the number turned involuntarily to look at the rigidly erect figure and the pale twitching face of the man armstrong against whom so terrible a mountain of suspicion seemed to be piling up he seemed unconscious of this concentrated gaze and kept his bright spectacled eyes directed fixedly upon the witness in your opinion dr schmidt the coroner asked at the end of the little silence in your opinion was any purpose served by injecting this poison directly into the jugular vein yes sir this is an immense vein leading directly to the heart which is the organ upon which the poison seems to have acted primarily its effect would be very much quicker for being thus administered in this case it must have been as i said instantaneous the victim could hardly have had time to utter a cry speaking as a physician should you say that it was an easy matter to reach the vein you spoke of with a single stroke of a hypodermic needle the little german doctor on the stand shook his head vehemently on the contrary sir he said it was from a surgical point of view an operation of the extremest nicety the sternomastoid muscle through which the needle had to pass is a broad heavy band which would present no landmark to the operator for the vein he sought by the operator you mean the murderer questioned the coroner that is what i mean assented the witness but i find myself compelled to regard it from a technical point of view as a surgical operation i think it would be difficult for any of my profession to think of it in any other terms or to regard it without a considerable degree of admiration you would be inclined then to attribute the act to some member of your profession not only that but to a very clever one said the witness 
unless of course the blow was struck under no other direction than that of blind chance it might happen once in a thousand times that a blow so directed with such an instrument would find that vein we have of course no means of knowing that this is not the one time out of a thousand but the balance of probability is enormously against it i may say also that the employment of a poison of so rare and unusual a nature as to baffle so far all our attempts to analyze it points very strongly in the same direction the coroner had one more question to ask would it have been possible in your opinion dr schmidt for the operation to have been performed against the serious resistance of the deceased it could only have been done in one of two ways the witness answered very gravely the direction of the stroke was downward to have delivered it the operator must have been able to come very close to his victim either standing behind him or reclining himself with dr marshall bending over him he must have been able to touch the throat with his fingers without exciting suspicion the slightest resistance such as would have resulted from the faintest guess as to his intention would have frustrated the attempt absolutely the coroner did not call the next witness immediately he sat there at his desk a little envelope in his hand and although his eyes were lowered he did not appear to be looking at it i glanced over toward the jury they sat there every man of them with the same curious fixed look about their faces that i had seen in the coroner's no one of them was looking in walter armstrong's direction their horror at the deed he had done the deed he must have done that no one else could have had the opportunity to do seemed to make it impossible for them to look at him who else but he could be the criminal who else could have got into that room without exciting the victim's suspicion who else than this admitted student of poisons would have filled his syringe with a drug so rare that it baffled the chemists who but a clever surgeon could have directed his needle-point into that broad avenue that led so instantly to the heart but there was more to come this mountain of suspicion was to be piled higher yet until it reached the altitude of utter certainty already the coroner was calling the next witness thomas mealy End of chapter 7